Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. The murder of a local politician by right-wing extremists has shocked Germany and set alarm bells ringing about the rise of neo-Nazi violence in the country. Ben Hall discusses the groups behind the upsurge in political violence and how dangerous they are with Guy Shazan in Berlin. Guy, the police have made a number of arrests in connection with the murder of Walter Lubka, a German politician who was shot at his home in central Germany. Tell us about the suspects and what we know about their motivations. Well, the main suspect is Stefan Ernst. He's a 45-year-old who seems to be very much part of the extreme right-wing scene in Germany. He had previous convictions for violence and he has actually confessed to killing Lubka. It seems it was a politically motivated crime. He took issue with Lubka's stance on the refugee crisis in 2015-16. And Lubka was in many ways a sort of hate figure for many people in the kind of neo-Nazi or extreme right-wing scene because he had endorsed Angela Merkel's liberal stance during the refugee crisis when, of course, we saw upwards of a million migrants enter Germany. Is this a one-off case or does it look like a pattern of far-right violence? This is in many ways a unique crime. If he's convicted, it would actually be the first time in Germany's post-war history that a politician has been assassinated by a right-wing extremist. So it is really a sort of standout event. But there has been real concern in recent months about the increase in extreme right-wing violence. And indeed, the Interior Ministry has just released statistics to show that there are now 24,100 right-wing extremists in the country. And that's a slight increase on 2017. And more than half of them are prepared to use violence to further their aims. I mean, most of the time, these people were targeting foreigners and especially asylum seekers. You know, they were setting fire to the hostels for asylum seekers, for example. But it does seem increasingly the case that politicians are also now being targeted. And the Lubka case is very much typical of that. The actual number of violent crimes committed by neo-Nazis and right-wingers is pretty small, although there was a slight increase of 3.2% in such violent crimes in 2018. And these included six attempted murders compared with four attempted murders in 2017. So there is a slight uptick in the violence. What is really surprising, actually, is the number of anti-Semitic acts of violence committed by right-wingers. The number of those incidents increased by 71% in 2018. So we're definitely seeing a trend here. Guy, the number of right-wing extremists and the number of those who are prepared to use violence is really quite shocking for a country with its dark history like Germany. Have these numbers greatly increased over time? And what have the authorities been doing about it? Well, I don't think there's been a massive increase, but there's definitely been an increase since the migrant crisis really blew up in 2015. I mean, one of the things I was really struck by when I first came to Germany in 2016 to report for the FT was the number of attacks on hostels. These arson attacks 
One of the most extraordinary things about them was actually that there were no casualties. Very often, hostels would go up in flames, and it's just a pure miracle that these didn't lead to massive casualties. And the culprits were often caught and convicted of arson. But these kind of arson attacks happened on a regular basis. It's quite extraordinary in that respect. And what is interesting is that the people doing it were not necessarily neo-Nazis. They were not necessarily skinheads and activists. They were actually quite ordinary people. So the migrant crisis, the refugee crisis of 2015, definitely radicalised a large swathe of people who would never ordinarily commit such acts of violence. And they're definitely not part of the sort of hardcore neo-Nazi scene. But there has definitely been a sort of uptick in this kind of violence over the last few years. That is very much the case. And of course, we did have this remarkable episode of the NSU, the National Socialist Underground, which was a terrorist group that committed a number of murders in the 2000s. And that was really a scandalous episode in Germany's post-war history because they operated with impunity for so many years and the police operation against them was really bungled. I was going to ask, have the security services been taking this threat seriously enough or have they actually been negligent in allowing these groups to persist and perpetuate such crimes? Well, you know, Stefan Ernst, the man who is suspected and has actually confessed to killing Lubka, he was very much on the radar screen of the authorities for crimes that he committed during the 2000s. And after 2009, he basically was no longer of any interest to the authorities because he was keeping a low profile. But he was very much active on the internet and on social media and spreading hate on platforms such as YouTube. For example, he had said in one online forum that either this government resigns soon or people are going to die And now people are sort of saying, well, why wasn't he being monitored when he was distributing and spreading such hate-filled incitement on the internet? And Horst Seehofer, the interior minister, was interviewed just a few days ago about this. And he said, well, look, we just don't have the resources to monitor so many extremists. I mean, we're talking about 24,100 right-wing extremists in Germany. And they can't monitor these people and, you know, operate such a mass program of surveillance, really, effectively, to check up on what these people are up to. Or at least that's what the authorities are saying, especially as this isn't the only threat they face. They're also facing the threat of Islamist violence. There are almost as many suspected Islamist extremists as there are right-wing extremists in Germany. So there are dangers lurking across the political spectrum. All of this is happening at a time of polarisation in German politics and particularly with the rise of AFD Alternative for Germany, which might be called a far-right party or a a nationalist Eurosceptic party with far-right elements in it. To what extent is that shift in the political landscape encouraging more extremist views Well, it's a good point. I mean, there is definitely an overlap between certain parts of the AFD and AFD supporters and this milieu of extremist, potentially violent right-wingers. I mean, obviously, the AFD is adamant that they have nothing to do with violence, and they were very upset the last couple of days saying that they are being used as almost like a scapegoat by government officials, ministers who are kind of lumping them together with neo-Nazis and with extremists who commit acts of violence. And that's not fair. They're a democratically elected party, the largest opposition party now in the Bundestag. 
But there is clearly something of an overlap between part of the AFD's constituency, some of its voters, and the people who belong to the sort of milieu which spawned Stefan Ernst. That can't be denied. I mean, it was very interesting, for example... The Bavarian parliament had a sort of minute silence to commemorate Lubka. And there was only one person in the whole parliament who refused to stand for that. And he was an AFD MP. And that was seen as quite scandalous. Everyone was really upset and offended by that. And there are certain people in the AFD who are actually posting stuff condemning Lubka for his advocacy for refugees so there is a bit of a mind meld between people like Stefan Ernst, the man who killed Lubka, and elements of the AFD who were also, let's not forget, bitterly opposed to Merkel's liberal immigration policies in 2015-16. Guy, support for the AFD has sort of plateaued in recent years. And although these numbers are shocking about the level of right-wing extremists in Germany, they're still a very small minority. So People would be alarmist if they thought that Germany's liberal democratic model, its post-war constitution, was at threat, no? Yes. I mean, there's been a lot of commentary, including in the foreign press, which I find the tone a little bit alarmist. I mean, I don't think German democracy is under threat in any way from these sort of crimes. It seems a very random act. I mean, Lubka was a lowly official in a provincial town, Kassel, which is not very big. He wasn't very prominent, but he had sort of found himself on this blacklist circulating in the right-wing scene in Germany. And in that respect, he became a real target. And in the end, he was killed. We haven't seen more high-profile politicians being targeted in this way Although, who knows? I mean, it might still happen. But um, I don't think we can really talk about a wave of violence yet, which is really sort of shaking the foundations of German democracy. It is extremely worrying and alarming when things like this happen. But so far, such crimes are very unique. German politics is generally still quite calm and It's a smoothly functioning system and you don't get these explosions of violence very often, which you see in other democracies. I mean, we're seeing it obviously much more polarised political system at the moment in America than there is in Germany. Well, that's reassuring, at least. Thanks very much to Guy Chazan in Berlin. That was Ben Hall, our Europe editor, talking to our Berlin bureau chief, Guy Chazan. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on our exclusive interview with Russia's President Vladimir Putin, the problem of noise pollution, or the departure of Apple's chief designer Johnny Ive, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. 
<clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 